Welcome to the Hillside Community Church Podcast. Wherever you're at in your faith, we hope this episode encourages you. If you enjoy the listen, let your friends know, and we'll catch you next time. Uh, so we sort of uh, started looking at the Holy Spirit last week in a series you asked for it, and uh, the more I'm sort of looking at this and studying it. I just uh, regret we haven't done it sooner. But, uh, but here we are now, and there are many things to learn. We're trying to figure out who he is. We're trying to figure out what he does. And uh, we're trying to figure out how it is that we relate to him. That's what we want to do. Now, uh, uh, he's easy to misunderstand, so you don't need to be offended that you do misunderstand him a little bit. Um, we said last week kind of became sort of an interesting picture was that we have the Father and the Son who are categories that we understand a whole lot easier. Plus, we got more information about them. But then the Holy Spirit, you know, uh, we're, we're not really sure how, how to fit him into the picture. So some of us... Uh, sort of, well, we, we don't give him his due. And then there, it's very easy to give, to, to overdo him. You can do that. And so uh, we're trying to figure out how to, how, to, how to fit him into the place that he ought to be. And this, is, this is visual is very, very important to become more precious to me as I'm trying to figure out who he is in relation to the father and the son. Because I don't, I don't want him. I don't, I don't want to undermine him, and I also don't want to bring more attention to him than he's asking for, and that can happen. So we need to see how to relate to him. We don't want him to be too prominent. We don't want him to disappear from our lives. So we have to figure out this whole era because this is an era in in redemptive history. We have the father has. Planned, let me do it this way. Last week I gave you this image. I gave you the Trinity, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we said that the Father sort of had this plan to redeem, that the Son secured redemption, came and died on a cross for us. And then the Holy Spirit's job is to, is to make that come alive in us. And it, and it directionally, this is the right, you know, perspective, sort of downward. But in terms of the strategy of redemption, it's not downward. It's upward. And this is important for us. So the father had the plan, but the son came to fulfill it. And the spirit now is doing the work the Father always intended to happen. In other words, what I want you to see is from a directional standpoint, it's downward. From a strategic standpoint, we're at the zenith. We're at the highest place in terms of what God is trying to accomplish in and through us. When you think about what God is trying to do, we're at this stage in redemption. It's a very high level stage. So that when we look at the Spirit, I didn't want you to get the feeling that, well, you know, it's down here. We're at the bottom part of this. That's not it at all. It's the highest stage. 
So what God is trying to do now was what he intended to do in eternity past. And we're, we're, we're in what we're going to see, according to Jesus, maybe, maybe the Trinity's favorite stage. Let's see why that's true. He's trying to bring... So what you see is what the Holy Spirit's trying to do is bring all of who the... This is what we said last week, too. All of who the Trinity is together, trying to bring that life, the life of God, his very life, into us. And we're at the stage in history where it's actually being fulfilled and actually happening and actually capable of happening. So it's got to be the highest place in a lot of respects. And at the end of the day, what he's trying to do is trying to take this divine love that the Father experiences together in relationship and bring that home to us, bring his life to us. And that's what John 14 through 17 is really doing. And it's, he'll cite, it's astonishing to meditate on. It's astonishing to meditate on. Um, so we are in the era where the Holy Spirit turns out is the perfect member of the Trinity to do what he's doing now. The perfect member of the Trinity to do what he's doing now. So the mystery and the discovery and the wonder and the power, all an era in which God wants us to figure out and learn to thrive, and he's the perfect person to bring it home. And it's the perfect era of redemption to do it. And what we're seeing is the great lengths to which God has gone from eternity past to be with us. Just, just incredible lengths to bring his life to our life. And John 14 through 17 is Jesus sort of making arrangements, expressing God, how God has arranged for his life to manifest itself in yours. This is, this is what John 14 through 17 is. It's, it's us figuring out how God has arranged it, that to be possible. Dallas Willard has a, a statement that's one of my favorites, and I, I just I hang on to it. And he says, it must have been no simple thing to make it possible for human beings to receive the eternal kind of life. It must have been no simple thing. And it was no simple thing because two radical things had to happen to the Trinity. Two pretty radical things to the Trinity. He had to send his son, which we focus on mostly. This is what we focus on. But there was another sending. There was the sending of the Spirit. And this is the era that we are. Jesus made sure that he pointed to that. He makes sure that he points back to him. You can't have one without the other. This is what I've just been overwhelmed with. We saw last week in John, you cannot have Jesus without the Spirit. You cannot have Spirit without having Jesus. But there were two important sendings in order to make this happen. And this is the era that we are in now. 
by God's full plan and redemption and intention. And here's, here's what I really want you to hear. Everything God intended and wanted for you to experience as a Christ follower, as, a, as, a, as, as one of his children, is best understood and possible because of the Spirit. That's, that's a thought that ought to just amaze us. Now, if you go to John chapter 14, which we read at funerals, and unfortunately, that's where we hear it the most. Uh, don't let your hearts be troubled. Uh, oh, no, actually, we're a little further up here. Don't let your hearts be distressed. Believe in God. You believe also in me. In my Father's house, you know, uh, are many dwelling places. Uh, I'm going I'm going away. That's the theme of John 14 through 17. I'm going away. That's Jesus saying, I'm leaving. Uh, and his going away for John, going away means three things. We said this last week. The cross, the resurrection, and the ascension. All three. Somehow we've gotten the idea that Jesus is in heaven building you a house. Nay. That's not happening. The place prepared for you was what, I'll tell you how Jesus prepared it. The cross, the resurrection, and the ascension. Done. What Jesus is trying to say is, I want to be with you. And I've made preparations. This is, just think about this for a second. Because we could stop here. God has made preparations to spend eternity with you. That, I don't know what else to say. That's what Jesus is trying to get through to them. God has made preparations since eternity past to be with you. And here he is saying, one of these days I'm going to come back in the future. And I'm going to get you because, because I want you with me. And so we read John chapter 14, and you and I are just thinking, and this is the, sort of the, the, the downside of the first half of John 14, is that we're all going, yeah, one of these days. And so when we die, we read it. As if what Jesus was wanting to give you only really comes to you when you're dead. That's sort of the feeling that subtly crept in. But if you go a little bit further in John, you get a little powerful statement. Jesus says this in the middle of the statement read earlier. If anyone loves me, he will obey my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and take up residence with him. That's the same word for dwell in chapter 14, verse 2. Which means, I mean, remember we're in a whole chapter on this section in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, Jesus has said, is going to come and be in you. And if the Holy Spirit comes to be in you, guess what? So we will too. We will take up residence in you. In other words, Jesus says to them, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to come back one day. And when I do, I'm going to take you with me. In the meantime, I'm going to send my spirit so that we're together up until then. 
My life is going to be in you now. That's, what, that's, why, uh, that's why our vision and mission in this church is that you, you start living the eternal kind of life now because that's exactly what God intended for you. Not to wait till you're dead. That, that life has come into you now. Whatever God's life is, and that's what we have to figure out. Whatever, whatever it is about God's life needs to come inside of us. And it is the, it is the Holy Spirit's job to break that real to you. Okay, so one of the things we have to do is just acknowledge that fact. Now, one of the things the disciples struggled with, you'll remember, and I'm just going to show you these real quick because here's Jesus trying to communicate he's leaving to a group of guys who are like devastated over this. If he leaves, oh my. And you and I, even though we weren't there, you and I have had the same feeling every now and then. Like, why did he leave? Why weren't we there? And, you know, if I was there, man, we'd, have been, we'd be living large if I was with Jesus, hanging out with him in certain settings. And some of us have the, feel, we have the feeling, this throwback feeling, that had Jesus been walking right beside us, man, we'd be living different lives. And even Jesus will look at you and say, you have never been more wrong. That ought to startle us. I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. Now, let me ask you this. Have you figured out the advantage? Because this was the question that I had. I was very convicted by that. Have you figured out what the advantage is? Because that's what the whole point of this text is going to be doing. That's what we're going to be figuring out over the next few weeks. What is the advantage? If I don't go away, you won't get the advocate, the spirit. That Jesus is saying, like, no, 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 this is never going to work unless this happens. But he's not done. I mean, he says it three different ways. Listen to this one. Here's, here's one of the advantages. Jesus actually looks at his disciples and says, there's many more things to say to you. But look, you can't handle it now. When do you think they could start handling it? Not until the Spirit comes. They can't handle it. Wow. See, some of us are so arrogant to believe that if we were with Jesus, we'd understood everything he said. And you're a little bit of a disadvantage because now you understand a lot of things the disciples didn't understand when they were walking with Jesus. And you're like, I can't believe they didn't get that. And the only reason you get it is because you have the Spirit. It's not because you're, you were there and you're smarter than they are. It's the Spirit. I'm going away. You've heard me say, and I'm coming back to you. If you listen to this. Here's, an, here's another. You want a convicting statement? If you loved me, Jesus said, you'd be glad that I go away. Holy moly, when was the last time you heard that? If you loved me, you'd let me go. What does he mean by that? Because the Father's greater than me. Let me take you back to this. Eh. If you knew what my Father was up to, you'd be glad I was leaving. My Father's greater. He knows what's going on. He knows why we live in the Holy Spirit era. He knows what you need. 
And somehow we got to do what the disciples had to do, acknowledge that. Or we could be like Mary, who at the end of John, remember what she does when she sees him? She tries to grab him, and Jesus says, uh, don't what? Don't you grab me. Oh, no. Don't you, don't you try to keep me here. There's something better coming. There's something better coming. That's what John is trying to communicate. That's what Jesus is trying to say. Uh, think about this. When did the, the lives of the disciples really change? It wasn't while they were with Jesus. It's when the Spirit came. You think about that. That's when they were transformed. Now, this is both comforting on the one hand, because you're like, wow, this is great news. On the other hand, for many of us, it's going to be very convicting, because we're really not living to the level we ought to be living, because we're not understanding what the Spirit could be doing in us. Because according to Jesus, it should be an advantage. I should be living at a higher level. You say, what's that higher level? We've got to be careful what we mean by that. I think John is going to begin to unfold it for us here slowly but surely. Uh, so let's look at a couple things, then we'll get to some practical application of what this means when we're looking at John. So we've got to kind of hurry a little bit. So Jesus is going, so we're going to ask the question for a second. Well, then who is the Spirit? How do we begin to just sort of figure out who he is so we can relate to him a little bit better? Jesus says, I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. Now, we need to understand what advocate is, and we'll, we'll, that'll, that'll come about over time. It's not something we can just camp on solely. But I want you to see the word another first, because... In Greek, there's two ways to say another. If you say another in English, you don't always know if it's uh, similar or different other. But in Greek, it's very clear. It's another of the same kind or it's another of, the diff- of a different kind. This is another of the same kind. So if Jesus has already been here, then we know he's obviously... An- so Jesus was an advocate, was number one, and the Spirit is number two advocate. We got two advocates. So the first thing I want you to know about the Spirit is who he is. He's definitely a person because he's another just like Jesus. That would have to mean he's got everything Jesus has in terms of personality and divinity. You're not getting anything less than. And he must be personal. Um, he must be personal uh, Because you can know him, and you know him. He's personal. And then another verse here says, uh, I will not abandon you. Jesus says, I will come to you. How is Jesus going to come to you? Through the person of the Holy Spirit. So he's being compared to Jesus. He's personal. we got to relate to him. He's another just like Jesus. He's a person. And what I, mean, what I mean to say to you on this point, and you're going to see it come alive in John, is just two things. Number one, the Spirit is not, free, is not a freelancer. He is not running around doing his own thing. 
In fact, in this text, you're going to learn, he doesn't do anything but what he, he, he recalls to your mind what Jesus has taught you. Not doing his own thing. And the second thing he is not is a force. You do not plug into him. There's no plugging. There's no plugging in Christianity. Okay, because I hear lots of illustrations of, Jesus, you know, the Holy Spirit's like a generator. You plug into it and you get power. That's, that falls way short. He's not a force. He's a person. So we can interact with him in person. So one of the questions I get a lot that I've gotten already since the series has started, is it okay to pray to the Spirit? Now, I want to say uh, something here because it's sort of, I, I understand why we ask the question on the one hand. Because we're told to pray to the Father and we pray in Jesus' name. It's primary, primarily what the New Testament seems to teach. But I want to just tell you something. It's, the New Testament doesn't tell you not to pray to the Holy Spirit. And if you're not talking to him, you're going to be, I think you're missing out. You're never told not to pray to him. You're never told to pray to him. He's interacting with you, but he's so, you're going to see he's such a part of your life, there's no way you cannot be communicating with him. So in my life, when I pray, I'm generally praying to the Father. But in, my, in the course of my daily life, as I'm living life and I'm asking for direction and guidance, I'm happy to invite the Spirit into anything I'm doing. He's a person. And if I, try, if I don't relate to him as a person, then I'm going to miss out on something. I don't want to do that. So don't panic over that. So some of you are panicking over, should I pray to him or not? Oh, yes. Yes. Now, I interact with him on a regular, you, you say, well, what do I pray to the Spirit about? That's what we're learning. We're going to be learning that. What kind of things do I talk to him about? I'm going to show you here if I can get done. We got already, we're out of time for some reason. I think we sang too much, actually. All right, so here's what's going on. Um, he doesn't want to hear Jesus saying, I don't want to leave you as an orphan. Well, what's an orphan? He doesn't have parents. All right? I, I, I'm alone. I have no supervision, nobody guiding me, no one representing me, nobody caring for me, nobody guiding for me. Nobody loving, nobody sticking up for me. That's not who I am. That means, well, if he's not going to leave me as an orphan and he's going to come to me, but he's gone, he's coming to me in the form of the Spirit, the Spirit becomes sort of my spiritual parent. You think about that. Because the last thing I want you to feel, and I'm going to tell you, and we could go off on this, and I don't know if I'm going to get done today because I keep going off on things. There's just too many great thoughts here that are overwhelming to me. But I wonder how many times as I, this happens to me if I get to the end and we can apply this. You're living like an orphan, spiritually. Because you can live like an orphan, spiritually. Always feeling unloved. Can't seem to find an identity. Things wrecking your life. No provision, no resources. Alone in the world, left to fend for yourself. 
If you're living your spiritual life like that, and probably we all do at some point, we're missing it. Because that's not how Jesus intended us to leave when he left. Or to live when he left. To live like an orphan of some sort. So he's a person that we need to relate to. That's what I'm trying to establish. Now, let's see if we can get how far we can get on this. What do we got? I got three minutes. Never happened. Never, ever going to happen. Um, let's at least start here. What does he do? What does Jesus tell us that the Spirit needs to be doing in our life? Well, let's look at this. In a little while, the world will not see me any longer, but you will see me. And here's what Jesus says. Because I live, you will live too. Now, in the context of John 14, we're not talking about heaven. We're talking about because the Spirit comes to live in you, you live because he lives. So whatever the Spirit is going to do, here's the first thing we learn about the Spirit. The Spirit is bringing his life to me. If all you're thinking about is one day I'll live when I die, no. John 14 is not going to let you do that. He's bringing his life to you. The person who has many commandments and obeys them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by, by my father, and I will love him and will what? I'm, I'll tell you the other thing the Holy Spirit's doing in John 14. He's revealing who Jesus is. Now, we need to understand what that means to understand how to relate to the Spirit. But that's what he's doing. He's not giving you new data. He's not finding other stuff. Jesus embodied what we needed to know, and the Spirit is the one who brings it home. When he, the Spirit of truth, he's called the Spirit of truth here. There's a reason for that. He comes, look, he will guide you into truth. In fact, you can even call him truth. Think about that. He will not speak on his own authority. He will speak what he hears and he will tell you what is to come. This is what we're getting. We're getting this guidance from him, this truth. So you got, he's going to bring my life to you. He's going to reveal who I am. He's going to bring home truth. There's a number of layers to what it means to bring home truth. Uh, now, so let's think about his name for a minute. Because he is uh, an advocate. Let's, let's start with the whole idea of him being an advocate. Read that earlier. Let's see if we can find it. Too many verses up here. Advocate. What is an advocate? Now, I'm probably, I'm probably not going to be able to drive this point home the way I want to today. But we at least need to establish this Thing here, and then the next week we're together, we'll, dis, we'll, we'll look totally at what the Spirit is going to bring home to us. But here's what I would say to you the word advocate means paraclete. You've probably heard the word before. All right? Uh, it's two Greek words para, uh, it means someone called alongside. 
It means someone, uh, uh, paralegal, paramedic, just somebody comes alongside. It's a soft word, comforting word, relational word. Kleo, or kleo is, is, a, is a little little harsher word. It's the idea of calling out, truth-telling, speaking, crying, exhorting. So you put the two words together, you got sort of called alongside, but it's greater than that. That's, that's a little simplistic. Yes, he's with you in an ultimate sense, but what he's doing there is more important. Now, I will tell you that the primary background to the term is legal. Okay, and it's classical use, it's legal. And John 16, which we'll look at here in a couple weeks, uh, has a legal side to it. So that the reason we use the term advocate, you can almost get your legal, uh, sort of legal representation or an attorney of sorts. And you got all different terms. So when you read, I grew up mostly with hearing in John 14 that the paraclete meant comforter. Okay? Which, let me just say this. All the terms you've heard, helper, counselor, advocate, all of them are inadequate. None of them are complete. And the reason why you have so many different translations in your Bibles is because the word is so rich, there's no way to use one English word to describe what we mean by paraclete. Because he's literally all of these things. Comfort is a little soft. And you might think that the Holy Spirit's only going to be there when you need something soft. Like when you're hurting and you need comfort. If you relate to the Holy Spirit that way only, you are really missing out. Helper, if you only come helper. Helper's sort of a weak term. It's a little weak. Comforter's a little soft. Helper's a little weak. You know, it only come around once in a while when I really need something. Otherwise, I'm good. You can get that feeling. If it's counselor, well, you need an appointment. You got you to, gotta, you know, call in, and it's only when you're really frustrated. Like, when you, most of the time you know what you're doing, but every blue moon, right, you need a counselor. That's not the phrase you want. Advocate is... Uh, probably the closest term, because this is a person who's uh, sort of standing in and representing you and bringing truth to bear in a situation, because he's called the spirit of truth. So he's going to bring data to us. Uh, Advocate of those is probably the best. None of them are completely... um, So you say, what is he doing as an advocate? So maybe this is a great spot to end. What's he doing as an advocate? Um, Well, I think he's doing two things. He's arguing against your enemies, okay, which you have them. He's arguing against your enemies, bringing truth to bear to the enemies in your heart and in 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 your mind, and you have them. They're always saying things to you about your life, and you can, you can live based on those. And the Spirit is sort of the, if you think about Romans 8, he is the, uh, he's, he bears witness. There's the legal side of the Spirit. He bears witness. Do you know what that term literally means? He's the expert testimony. He's your star witness. 
against anything trying to tell you anything that isn't true in the spiritual world. He's your star witness. And you have, man, you, if you even stop for a moment to think how many things we believe that aren't true, and the Spirit's trying to speak to those. So he argues against your enemies. He doesn't argue before God. 1 John 2.1 tells you Jesus is our advocate who argues to God for us. Spirit doesn't argue our case before God. Jesus does that. The Spirit argues our case against our enemies. And you'll see what I mean by that when we bring the practical side. The other thing he does is he argues with you. He argues with you. Because you know how many dumb ideas we have in a day. How many dumb ideas do you think you have in a day spiritually? About yourself, about spiritual reality, about what you ought to do, about what you shouldn't do. And he's going to be the one arguing with you about it. So we've always seen him as the soft, quiet little voice. He's a pretty tough attorney. He's a winner. He knows how to get in your face, and he knows when to get in your face, and he knows just how to do it. And I'll tell you what you and I really need in our life is a whole lot more no, this is really how it is, monkey. Don't you need a little bit more of that in your life? You know, that's not how it is. I know you believe that to your core. I know you've thought that all your life. I know that's what you learned a long time ago. I know that's been in your experience. The Holy Spirit comes along and says, that's not how it works. Now, if I had time, and I don't today, but if I had time, I'm going to walk you through. I have two, I have a page and a half of what that looks like in your life. But if we do it now, well, then you won't have anything to come back for. And I'm not going to do it. So we're going to do that next time. Is that okay? Are we agreed? Did you get enough? Did you get enough today that we will wait till next week? Okay, we'll wait till next week then. Good. This was fun. Hey, listen, we're laughing. Are you convicted? You need to leave here and have at least a moment by yourself when no one's looking. Where you at least say this. I can't believe I, I don't recognize you more in my life. I can't believe I thought somehow, how arrogant to think that, Lord, you just didn't arrange things right for me to, for me to figure out who to be and how to live. Oh, no, it's, been, it's perfect. Couldn't be any more perfect. You say, Lord, if it's this perfect, please help me relate to your spirit in a way where I'm taking full advantage of the life you said I could be living. You can at least pray that all week. And then we'll talk more about what he's going to be doing there, okay? We'll we'll get to it. Father, thank you for this truth, the truth of the spirit of truth. Lord, we need to hear it. And I just pray, Lord, we'll be more aware much more aware of his presence and his activity and his goal of bringing your life to our life so that we know what it looks like. Lord, help us long for that truth and seek it. 
I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for watching today's message. We hope it encourages you wherever you're at in your faith. If you enjoyed it, let your friends know. We'll catch you next time.